Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. I'm speaking with Gary Zola and Jonathan Sarna. Gary Zola, uh, Hebrew Union College and the American Jewish Archives, and, and Jonathan Sarna, Brandeis University, and God knows how many other projects. And we're here talking about a relatively new book, relatively newly published book called New Perspectives in American Jewish History, which is uh, a magnificent anthology of sources in the realm of American Jewish history. Um, put together by, uh, as far as I understand, Jonathan's, many of Jonathan, maybe most, maybe all of Jonathan Sarna's students. Um, and I'm going to let Gary uh, speak about the, what the nature of this really wonderful book. And um, I'll keep my, I'll keep myself out of the conversation as much as possible. Well, First of all, Phil, thank you very much for uh, uh, focusing on this uh, a special tribute to uh, Professor Sarna and uh, for giving us an opportunity today to uh, speak to you and to the uh, listeners about this. Uh, this uh, volume had its genesis, I would say, about uh, two and a half or three years ago. And I, I would like to take full credit for the idea myself but uh, 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 being uh, overtaken by guilt will prevent me from doing so because the true credit for the idea goes to uh, um, my co-editor, Professor Mark Rader of the University of Cincinnati. Who was not able to be on this call. I did invite him, but he couldn't make the call. And, I, and forgive me for not mentioning his name. Go ahead. That's, that's okay. And uh, he approached me and he said, you know, uh, Professor Sarn is about to turn 65, and, uh, and he has not only uh, made an amazing contribution to our field, uh, 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 in, in addition to shaping the direction of American Jewish experience, the study of the American Jewish experience, uh, Dr. Sarna's influence so many scholars uh, in, in particular because he uh, uh, many trained with him and uh, Mark said I know you're one of the first to have studied I, I'm not I don't think the first I think uh, Dr. Son I think Lance was the first right so I guess I'm the second and ha ha having a last name that starts with a Z I'm used to being at the end of the line so it doesn't bother me and uh, he said, would you be interested in, uh, in uh, uh, co-editing a Feshrift, a book to pay tribute and honor to Dr. Sarna? And I said, yes. And that is when we began to talk about doing something that was not the usual Feshrift. And uh, let me expand a bit on that, Phil, if I may, because- yeah, absolutely. Not everybody knows that, you know, typically a uh, Feshrift, this idea of where you invite great scholars, uh, luminaries to write an article, 
and you collect these articles and they're all uh, usually a new work that uh, uh, adds something to the field and they're collected under one cover in tribute or in honor to a given scholar who's made contributions in, in a field. The problem with these festschrifts is that often they are uh, a whole collection of random articles that have no common theme. And then another problem that sometimes develops, not always, is that scholars are working on something and they agree to write out of respect for the honoree and so forth, but it's not always uh, their finest piece. And it's not, it, it, often it's something that they have already worked on or rehashed a little and, and they uh, uh, rework it in a way. And the result of it is that as nice an idea as it is, it sits on a shelf and it often, with rare exception, uh, the contents are not mentioned. So we began to brainstorm and we came up with, I don't know, Dr. Sarno will be able to tell me if there's uh, other models that are similar to this, but we think this is uh, a sort of a pioneering kind of approach to honoring a scholar. And what we did is we decided we would go to all of Dr. Mar uh, Dr. Sarna's uh, students and uh, it, uh, that was an easy thing to do because I don't think there are very many scholars who have produced the number of students that Dr. Sarna has over the years. They're away at over 30 and it's probably growing uh, right now. And we decided we would ask each uh, contributor to come up with a document, perhaps two, in which uh, uh, the, the document has ideally never appeared before in print. And to take this document that has never before appeared in print, reproduce it with a headnote to help through your expertise, to help the reader understand the significance of this document, and then to annotate that document so that a reader, a student in school, uh, a public ed uh, 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 program, adult ed, and so forth, all would be ex it would be accessible to all of these people and thereby make this honoring uh, uh, a useful tool that will go beyond. I, I have to say that uh, Dr. Sarna's bride, uh, Dr. Ruth Langer, had a little hand in it. Uh, she too, uh, we consulted with her privately, secretively, furtively, and, uh, and she uh, said that would be something that uh, her husband would really appreciate, something that was useful and innovative. So we set about doing it. And, and uh, that is how the book began. And, it, and we, we st stuck to that uh, mission from the beginning until it, it appeared. And I should add that, I, I, I should add that the, uh, the first document uh, was written in 1774 in this book. And the last document in this book was written in 2019. So it covers pretty much the vast scope of American, the American yeah. Jewish historical experience. Yes. And I'll add, and I'll add that also was, there was a little bit of capriccio to that. It, when things began to come in and people began to respond and say, this is what I would like to contribute. We then began to notice holy cow, uh, we're sort of covering the gambit. So now we did have to, you know, do a little 
uh, nudging here and there. We had to uh, uh, say to various scholars, hey, could you do something this way or that? And then, and then of course, uh, 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 Dr. Rader and I uh, filled in a little here and a little there, but yes, that's how it ended up. We decided, you know what, let's, this is not a reader in the same sense, but let the documents cover the whole gambit of the American Jewish experience. Let me yeah. just uh, point out that um, one of the greatest Jewish historians of our time uh, in Israel, Professor Moshe Rossman, who's a great expert on Hasidism, uh, when he saw the table of contents and the way this was done, he wrote me and he said, you know, I never um, uh, contribute anymore to Feshriften for the very reasons that Dr. Zola uh, expressed. But your book, that's the way a Feshrift should be. Uh, it's coherent, short pieces. They're your students. This is a new model. So I'm glad to pass along uh, from an Israeli professor who's often critical, uh, this sense uh, that it's innovative. And uh, I was very honored. And of course, the book is a standalone, meaning it will be of interest to anyone, I think, uh, in the field, not because of me, but because of the quality of the documents themselves. I was very happy that um, it covers the whole chronology. I have actually um, uh, had students who've worked on everything from the colonial period uh, to the present. That was my training. Uh, Dr. Zola and I both studied with Dr. Marcus, who covered all of American Jewish history. He he could not comprehend the idea that someone would just be an expert in 50 years of American jury. Uh, that seemed to him much too narrow. And uh, we were trained that way. And it's been very valuable to me uh, to be able to keep up with the whole field and to um, uh, allow students to work um, on any piece of it that they uh, were most interested in. And uh, to, to, and as it turned out over a whole career, um, I really have had students who have covered everything from uh, uh, the 18th century to the present. So, and that's reflected, uh, which is very wonderful. So uh, you Phil, both... I, Phil, I want to just quickly add one other thing that I don't sure, know. And, and of course, we all want to make sure we know the Phil that you yourself, uh, Dr. Cohen, has uh, made a contribution to this volume, an important contribution. But uh, uh, you, you know, I I want to again uh, acknowledge uh, uh, Dr. Rader for uh, the introductory essay. Now, uh -huh. it is true that I partnered with him, uh, but most of us know that when you when you write. Um, somebody begins with a skeleton and then somebody else then comments on the skeleton. And Dr. Rader wrote an introduction in which he sets Dr. Sarna's uh, scholarly contributions to the field in, uh, in, in a context and, 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 and elucidates on Dr. Sarna's 
work and his ideas uh, and what they've meant in regard not only to the book and what's in the book, but also to the field itself. And uh, I'd, again, I'd like to just say to your audience, I wrote that magnificent essay, but I didn't. I, Dr. Rader wrote it and uh, he gave me the honor of, you know, reflecting on it and adding a piece here and there. Uh, but this is, I think, another important part of the book uh, that I'd like to mention, Dr. Cohen, is that um, it's very important for people to note that in this book, there is a wonderful analysis of uh, what I consider to be some of Dr. Sarna's really important ideas that have shaped the way in which we study and understand the American Jewish past. And in that sense, let me just and in that sense, this is the, the, the nature of this as a tribute really shines through right at the very beginning. Jonathan, I, 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 if you don't mind, I, I, for, I'm going to go by first names if you don't mind. Go ahead. It's mine, guy. First, first of all, I, I also, Phil was probably the first graduate student I met when I came to Brandeis. You were then working with Marvin Fox, and I well uh, remember Marvin Fox introducing you. Uh, but um, and so very glad that you were uh, in this volume. But uh, in terms of that essay, um, uh, honestly, until I read it, I hadn't realized I was so coherent, and uh, there was these well. Uh, uh, these themes that he teased out, um, uh, you kind of continue to write and publish over now uh, a lot more than 40 years. Uh, it's nice to learn that there's a certain coherence to it all, uh, rather than uh, what I'm sure someday someone will do and find all sorts of contradictions and, and so on. But um, I was very uh, pleased, obviously, uh, uh, to see that overview of the volume and uh, uh, to see a bibliography of my scholarship and so on. Uh, that was really, um, uh, you know, icing on the cake, so to speak. Um, uh, but for me, uh, the cake itself is a sense that uh, uh, so many different scholars now work in the field of American jury and on different aspects of it. Uh, I'm very proud to have had a chance to help shape them, but it really gives a sense of uh, how the field has grown and developed, I, I may say, in our lifetime. I think, if I may say so, that the American Jewish archives uh, have played a huge role there. And almost every, maybe every one of these people has spent time in Cincinnati. And that's how uh, you knew many of them. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, there, there's something very wonderful about knowing uh, that collectively, uh, we have shaped a whole generation uh, in in the field. It's uh, obviously a tribute to those who founded the field, um, uh, but uh, uh, it's uh, a tribute to the field of American Jewish history as a whole that you have so many wonderful scholars uh, um, now 
actively producing scholarship, new scholarship, new knowledge, uh, as reflected here. Before, I, before we go on, wait, wait, before we go on, and actually, I, um, well, since I've already interrupted you, Gary, uh, I, I think you you both mentioned uh, Dr. Marcus, whom we whom we all know. But why don't one or both of you say a few words about him to listeners who might not who not might not know who he was? Well, uh, I I'll just say a few brief words. It's really Dr. Sarna should say uh, something about him, but. Uh, Dr. Jacob Rader Marcus is, uh, uh, without question, the first academically trained scholar to turn his attention to the study of the American Jewish experience. And because of the volume of his work, the extent of his writing, and also because of his role as the founder of the American Jewish Archives, he's often uh, credited with being uh, a, a really pivotal figure in the establishment of the field. And uh, it, he uh, functioned largely at a time when uh, the, the people who were most likely to study this material and write uh, in this field were his students, uh, the graduate students, uh, graduate rabbinical students at Hebrew Union College. Uh, it, it should not be forgotten that Dr. Marcus is the very first person to require a course in American Jewish history that, that, that we now find. I mean, Dr. Sarna teaches those courses. Those courses are taught all over America, but it was back in the late 40s uh, that Dr. Uh, Marcus made that that became a requirement for ordination here in Cincinnati, and it is to this day. And therefore, the AJA. If you take a look, uh, Phil, in, in uh, Dr. Marcus's program for the AJA, which he publishes in the very first issue of his journal, he says that the purpose of this institution is it's being created for scholars and for the students of the Hebrew Union College. That, that's, that's part of his vision. So uh, 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 he... All I'll say, and then turn it over to Dr. Sarna, is that uh, Dr. Marcus was for me. I always refer to him. It was he, he was it was like catnip for for uh, me. I could not get enough of Jacob Rader Marcus. There was something about him, uh, his personality, his uh, sense of humor, his brilliance, his uh, the, he had a computer for a brain. Uh, uh, the, just the experience when I got here, he was 83 years old in my second year. And uh, I thought, my God, I got to study as much as I can with him because he'll be gone soon. It turned out I studied with him for 17 years. But I remember when Dr. Sarna came to Cincinnati as a fellow, he, he, he was not immediately on the faculty. And I remember Dr. Marcus said to me, I was studying with Dr. Marcus, and he said, have you met Jonathan Sarna? And I, I said, uh, not yet. He said, you need to meet him. He said, and these are exact words. He said to me, he's a wunderkind. That was the word he used. Well, a wunderkind. I'm afraid no one's called me a kind for quite a while, but, thank <laughs> but Dr. Marcus was 
really part of a kind of first generation in uh, Jewish studies. Yes, so I, uh, you know, uh, when you think of um, Jewish mysticism, Kabbalah, oh, Gershom Sholem. Um, when you think of uh, Geniza studies, oh, Goytine, Solomon Goytine. Well, when you think of American Jewish history, you think of Jacob Rader Marcus. And actually, all those men, they in those days all were men, all those men were more or less contemporaries. Uh, as um, Dr. Zola points out, uh, Dr. Marcus uh, was unusual in having been born in America. He's actually the first academic Jewish historian born, as far as I can tell, the first academic Jewish historian born in America. Um, but he, even though in, in for much of his early life focused on Germany, um, he was always interested in America, published some articles, and then indeed uh, in the 40s, and he told me that it had everything to do with with the Holocaust, and um, um, he, he understood the shift of the Jewish community, uh, the center to the United States, uh, and he shifts really full-time to American uh, Jewish history. And uh, I know when I became interested in the field, which was long before I'd met Dr. Marcus, um, you know, his work was the standard. And um, uh, I think uh, it was a great experience, as I later heard for Dr. Marcus, that he met me. I was then a graduate student at, at Yale, and I'd read everything he had written. And, uh, you know, he, I mean, not just to maybe doing the field, you read Marcus. It wasn't like today, when it's impossible to read it, the whole field, but I'd read everything he'd written. And I, I think for him, that was a great experience in a way that I then could not have understood. But now that I'm older, you meet somebody like that, it's the greatest possible compliment. And of course, it justified his having published so much because I never had been to Cincinnati even until uh, I first came there uh, for him and and, uh, you know, uh, we hit it off. I, I remember my very first meeting with him. That was before I came full time as a fellow in 1977. And it was just uh, an amazing uh, experience. But um, and it was wonderful, I think, for Dr. Marcus as well. Um, but in any case, uh, we all. Um, in some ways, we all write footnotes to Dr. Marcus. Uh, his knowledge was capacious. Uh, all American Jewish history is a footnote to Jacob Rader Marcus. Yeah, he knew. Uh, I sometimes yeah. think uh, that that uh, uh, you know we've forgotten more than he knew. Uh, but he, um, you know, still the chronology, uh, many of the basic ideas. Uh, come back to Marcus and um, uh, and and uh, you know when you realize the people he trained uh, uh, Stanley Chai, Bertram Corn who's uh, Bertram Corn's book on the Civil War 
was published 70 years ago. And yet it's still the book that is basic on the Civil War and really began as a doctoral dissertation uh, at the Hebrew Union College. So it yeah. gives you a sense of um, uh, Dr. Marcus's um, uh, impact. And I certainly, I think everyone in the field who knew him, and that I would add um, Lynn Sussman and Garrett and myself, I, we all had Dr. Marcus in mind as a, a kind of role model, much as all of those people in Kabbalah, you know, you can't get Gershom Sholem out of Kabbalah and you can't get Jacob Rader Marcus out of American Jewish history. Uh, those were the pioneers and we're extremely lucky. And of course, uh, Dr. Marcus viewed the field as his and kind of set out a long agenda uh, of what needed to be in it. And since he had the good fortune to live to be just short of 100, uh, he was able personally to make sure that a lot of that agenda uh, was really um, executed, which is uh, astonishing. But, um, uh, you know, I, I remember when Dr. I was in Cincinnati when Dr. Marcus died. And I think, you know, one felt our job and the greatest tribute we can pay uh, is to keep going and to, to kind of continue the work that he started and, and build on it. And if I may say so, Dr. Zola has done that uh, at, at the American Jewish Archives. And, you know, I've tried to do it not only through my scholarship, but also uh, through my students. Uh, Dr. Marcus already knew that um, uh, scholars were going to be trained at universities and and, you know, it wasn't going to be the monopoly as it had been more or less of the Hebrew Union College to produce the next generation. He, he, he witnessed that shift and, you know, we've kind of carried forward. And, um, uh, you know, it's, it's wonderful looking back to see uh, how many uh, important scholars are, are reflected uh, in this volume and how many diverse fields uh, are uh, reflected. And it's important to say, because it was important to me and important to him, uh, this is global, meaning uh, if you look at the book, you'll very quickly see uh, there's a professor who teaches in South Africa, Adam Mendelssohn. Uh, uh, there's a professor who teaches in Japan, um, my only Japanese graduate student, um, and, and has looked at the Japanese um, relationship uh, with American Jews. And uh, there's, um, uh, you know, a, a variety of other, uh, there, there's a professor uh, who grew up in France and who's uh, been able to do comparative work there. So uh, it's pretty amazing, and it really shows how much this field has grown 
So, so if I can, if I can wax, since I want to wax personal for just a second, I, I did my rabbinical work in the New York School of Hebrew Union College, so I never got to study with, with, with Dr. Marcus. And, and I would say among other faculty members in the Cincinnati School, I regret not having had, had that opportunity. I did go to the archives when I was researching David Einhorn, uh, and I gave Marcus a call, Dr. Marcus a call, but he was ill, so he couldn't see me, unfortunately. But so we had a chat on the phone, and and and, and unfortunately, that was the extent of my contact with him. This was uh, um, before. This was at a time when when phone calling was still uh, <laughs> it was still an expensive business. He did invite me to keep in touch, but I, I will say, I. I was talking with him about the fact that David Einhorn, the subject of my dissertation, uh, claimed to have a claimed to have, a, have a, had a doctorate, and um, I gave him some indicators why why that doctorate might have been legitimate. But he did say that of all these German Jewish rabbis who started coming over in the late 1840s into the 1850s, they got off the boat and suddenly they were they were rabbi doctor. And he said he said and and and, and he, he said those doctorates were phony as three dollar bills. That's exactly what he said. And that, that that's another piece that I know about Marcus from his his rabbinical students. He had this really really uh, 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 good sense of humor. Now, before I, I want to get into a little bit of the substance of the book, but I also want to give a shout out here since you gave a shout out to me. Uh, the next to the last contribution in this book is by Jonathan Golden. And why am I bringing him up? Well, I take full credit for Jonathan Golden's scholar, scholarly path. He was a student of mine in Worcester, Massachusetts, when I was the director of the Worcester, uh, uh, the, uh, the Hebrew High School, the Worcester Community Hebrew High School. And he was really one of my best students. I don't know if I, I don't know to what extent I influenced him, but um, but he was he was a joy to have as a high school student and apparently went on to become a great uh, undergraduate and graduate student as well. So I'm going to email him and make sure he listens to this. But I want to get into a little bit of substance in the time that remains to us. I thought I would ask you, and I know it's kind of ad hoc, but if, if you could think of one or two documents in particular, and there are 55 of them, so, and, and, and the apparatus and the quality of the documents are all, are all equally excellent. Nevertheless, if there's one or two that come to mind in terms of what they contribute to our understanding of that moment in American Jewish history as they present themselves in this book. Um, and, uh, and Well... I, I, I don't know. If no, no, you go ahead. I, I, I mean, I, on the one hand, I love, you know, all my students and picking and choosing um, uh, is, um, uh, is, is understandable. Very difficult. Understandable. Uh, I will mention, um, since you ask, I'll mention, and people are looking um, for uh, examples. Um, and Geraldine Gudefan, uh, who, who actually grew up in France, she found an amazing document, uh, which had appeared in a newspaper, which really recounts how the uh, Jewish community punished uh, a guy who was about to abandon uh, the wife he left behind in in Europe, he was going to marry somebody else. And um, uh, some of them, his friends and lancemen from his hometown, they created a kind of 
fake wedding that was going to take place. And instead of a wedding, the man was surprised. Uh, they sort of tied him up and, uh, and beat him up for uh, wanting to um, um, uh, uh, marry a second wife uh, and really uh, turn his first wife back in Europe uh, into uh, what we would call in English a grass widow, and, uh, an aguna. She, uh, she'd be in terrible situation. Now, it's very humorous the way the article is written and how they fooled the man. But it, it shows us how immigrant Jews sometimes felt that they had to take the law into their own hands. They kind of had an extrajudicial body. And actually, uh, later I have a, 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 we know that Jews did that punishing people who had been too close to the Germans and so on. And it suggests the whole subject um, uh, of, of looking at, at how Jews created these extrajudicial bodies um, through Jewish history. And who would have imagined you would have found that in Boston, I think. She found that document where Jews um, uh, were doing it. I also... Uh, was so happy that my student Aviva Ben-Ur, now a very distinguished uh, faculty member, um, reminded us of what they used to call Oriental Jews, of Mizrahi Jews, of Jews who came from the Ottoman Empire. Um, that was a piece of American Jewish history, although we all knew there were some, there even a congregation in Cincinnati and a professor at the Hebrew Union College of blessed memory, Dr. Yerushalmi from that world, not much had been written about uh, the Jews uh, who came from uh, the Ottoman Empire and, and Spartak world to America during the late 19th, early 20th century. And I was very happy that she gives us two more documents uh, relating to uh, that community, because today, when probably 300,000 uh, Mizrahi Jews in America, um, uh, many of them came much later after uh, the creation of the State of Israel, but, uh, you know, they're interested in their history. I, I have uh, had quite a few such students, and it's wonderful uh, to see um, uh, new material that we can give them about what they see as their own history. Good. You, you know, uh, you know uh, what I'd love to do if I could is, uh, if, if it's okay, I'd like to tell a story that Dr. Sarna has um, heard me uh, tell in many an introduction to him, but I'd like uh, to have it recorded if you don't mind, Phil. And that recording, is, go ahead. Yeah, and that is, um, uh, it, I would say that it is not an exaggeration, though I'm given to exaggeration, to uh, argue that I don't feel I would have had any role at all in the field of the American Jewish experience had it not been for uh, Jonathan Sarna. Even though you 
heard me, the audience heard me say how much I admire Dr. Marcus and I love Dr. Marcus, I would say that Dr. Marcus's knowledge and his uh, understanding of the field was so overwhelmingly uh, great that I, I never even considered anything that I would be able to do uh, worthy of, uh, of uh, uh, making a contribution. And uh, I probably would have gone into the rabbinate uh, entirely. When Jonathan came to Cincinnati, uh, it's interesting to note, he would do quite a number of interesting things as a, as a fellow. First, he would spend a lot of time in the Clow Library, and he'd go up to the shelves where there were um, books uh, on, you know, cataloged by topic and so forth. And he would just stand by the shelving units, pull books off, go through them. His, uh, 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 you know, uh, reputation for being able to read quickly and to digest the content uh, is legendary. And uh, he would familiarize himself uh, with uh, the material. Then, of course, he did a similar kind of thing in the American Jewish Archives. And I had written, Phil, a paper for Dr. Marcus for one of his classes. And it was a paper on uh, Max Heller, a rabbi from New Orleans. And I discovered by going through his papers that were here at the AJA, and I was an assignment for a course for Dr. Marcus. And as some know, if you've studied here, uh, Dr. Marcus always put the papers into the archives because even though they may not have been a publishable quality, uh, often they would contain data that would help future historians. And he was very big on that, uh, Dr. Marcus. He would never discourage anybody, even someone who wasn't trained from doing research. He would always say, well, let them look for all the little, uh, you know, little dots and uh, jots and tittles that they're going to find. And he'll, no one's going to publish it, but I'll keep it. And then it'll be of some use to a scholar because it's all collected. <clears throat> and so Jonathan would uh, 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 read various things at the AJA. And uh, he apparently, little did I know, he, he came across my paper on, uh, on uh, uh, Max Heller. And uh, I can still remember, that's how it impressed me. He, he ran into me on the campus. We had met at that time and we're, we're sort of friendly. And he said, oh, I just read your paper on Max Heller. It's a very good paper, he said, and it, it should be published. Well, this, this was something I never dreamt in a million years anybody would say about anything that I wrote. And it was, it was like uh, music to my ears. And I asked Dr. Sarna, I said, well, would you, would you help me? Would, you know, and, and of course he, as everybody knows, of course he did. He, he made suggestions and then he suggested where I might send it. And then it was sent in. And of course it came back with all sorts of criticisms and I was deflated. And Dr. Sarna said, don't be, don't be discouraged. He said, uh, you know, do what they say, revise it. And then it, it was my first publication. And then just to, uh, you know, uh, gild the lily. Uh, uh, when uh, it, 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 Dr. Marcus passed away and there was a search for a successor, I wasn't uh, intending to become the director of the American Jewish Archives. I never had thought in a million years of becoming the director of the American Jewish Archives. It didn't seem to be anything that was uh, 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 suitable to my own disposition. You know, I, I, I'm a very... Um, outgoing person and I uh, like to be with people and 
uh, you know, uh, the impression I had of an archives at that time was, uh, well, you know, it's a, a very quiet place where people who are writing books come to study and so forth. I, I didn't have a bigger picture. And uh, again, when uh, I initially was going to turn the job away uh, and try to find something else, again, Dr. Sarna was the person who sat down. He said, no, 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 you, you don't want to do that. He said, there's all sorts of potential for you here. And, uh, and then that wasn't, again, not just advice, but he devoted himself to helping me to succeed. He volunteered to chair the academic uh, 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 advisory council and, uh, and helps to this day. If there's a question that I'm not capable of answering, which probably happens once a week, he is, uh, is there to help and to support. So when he praises the AJA and its growth over the last 25 years, uh, he played a very fundamental role. So I wanted to uh, record that because Jonathan's heard everything that I just said. This is nothing new, but I want people to know about this because that's the kind of person he is. And I think probably mm -hmm. Phil, you can second that, you know, that this is a, th th this is why all of these scholars were willing to put time into this volume. Yeah. I, I, I wrote a novel and I sent it to him and he read it and he wrote a blurb for it, right. but uh, we, we're going to conclude, but, uh, but, I want to conclude in the following way. So, Dr. Sarna, uh, if you could uh, if you could tell us how you found out about this volume, I think that's a good concluding story. Uh, yeah, it was actually uh, a huge surprise. Uh, Dr. Rader, about whom we probably haven't said enough, but who I know was very important, not only uh, in this volume, but uh, he had been my student uh, at Brandeis and then moved to Cincinnati. Um, anyway, uh, uh, Dr. Rader wrote to me and said that he was starting a new series at uh, the University of Cincinnati and he, he wanted to have a consultation or something about it and it was important and could I find the time? I think it was a Sunday morning, uh, pretty early, uh, but you can't turn your students down. And I'm always glad to hear of new uh, publications. So I, of course, said yes. And then I, um, he, he sends me uh, a, a piece of technology and I plug it in and, I, and, and it seemed like I, I figured as usual, I've done something wrong because there was Dr. Zola was somehow there. And, and then there seemed to be other people. So I couldn't quite figure it out. Um, and then uh, uh, Dr. Zola began talking and I realized that it was all a ruse. And, uh, but it was amazing, really. It was um, uh, an opportunity to see so many of my students, including um, my student from Japan, I think it was about two or three in the morning um, uh, in, uh, in Japan, and she had gotten up uh, just to be there. Um, uh, so it was a, a remarkable uh, experience and really to see uh, a lifetime of students uh, together. Um, and, um, uh, you know, that's when I learned 
uh, of, of the conception of the book and uh, who was bringing it out and what it was going to be. Um, and uh, much sooner than many Feshriftenas, Dr. Zola mentions Feshriften are notorious for being late and delayed. And uh, uh, I remember, um, I think Professor Altman at Brandeis was about 10 years in the making. Uh, but in this case, uh, um, uh, by the nature perhaps of what they did, then uh, I'm sure because uh, Dr. Rader and Zola uh, made sure um, it, it came out, uh, it was delayed a little by COVID, uh, but uh, it was really um, uh, wonderful to be able uh, uh, to see it um, uh, really uh, uh, within a comparatively short time uh, after it had been announced. And, and really, um, uh, not only is it a, a large book, uh, almost 500 pages, but very uh, nicely produced by, uh, uh, by Brandeis University Press. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I, um, uh, I hope the reviewers like it. And, uh, 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 but I think, I think any faculty member looking for documents will find all sorts of amazing source material here uh, that will not only enrich them as scholars, but will really uh, intrigue students as well yeah. and give them right. a sense of new work and the diversity of work in the field as a whole. All right, well, thank you very much for your time. I this is a really good interview. I appreciate your time. Uh, it's a pleasure, and thank you. Thank you.